0: But all of a sudden, we're playing the San Francisco 49ers. It was New Year's Eve, I was in, we are in San Jose. And she calls me and goes, I think we're supposed to do this. This is the last regular season game. And I'm like, are you sure? And I just we just hung up and we played the game. Again. And then we won that game, we were in the playoffs. I waited for another week or so, or, and we're playing the Detroit Lions in their first round of the playoffs. And I tell Coach, I talked to Sharla again, my wife, and, are you sure? She goes, yeah. And then I told Coach, I'm going to go into the ministry as a preacher after this season, and we gave hugs, and that was that.
1: Hello, and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you take a minute and log onto your favorite podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a review? It would be a tremendous help and it allows others to find us more easily. Leave us a review and perhaps next week we'll mention you on the show. Football is America's passion, while baseball is America's pastime. Thank you, Rocky, for this great nugget of truth on American sports. It's time to get excited again to cheer for your alma mater or perhaps your favorite team as American football is about to begin another season. Joining me today is someone who's quickly become a good friend, Coach Rocky Seto. I met Rocky while out in California taking classes for my doctorate. Rocky Seto began his career playing college football, then quickly moved to coaching beginning as a volunteer assistant for USC and finishing as the defensive coordinator in 10 years. He then started as the quality control position with the Seattle Seahawks, one of the lowest positions in coaching, and then finished as the assistant head coach under Pete Carroll. Rocky spent 18 years coaching football and proclaiming Christ to his staff and fellow football players, yet Rocky felt he was being called to something else. Join Rocky and I as he tells his encouraging story of God's call to leave coaching to pursue a life of following Jesus and serving the local church. Now, on to our candid conversation. Well, today it is my privilege and honor to have a friend of mine, Coach Rocky Cito, though I think I should probably call you Pastor Rocky Cito, as you have transitioned from the coaching world, from University of Southern California as a defensive coordinator, defensive backs, linebackers. I don't think there's a a position on defense you haven't coached there. National championship winner all the way through to assistant head coach at the Seattle Seahawks. But then transitioning from the coaching world into – vocational ministry and and being right. senior pastor at Evergreen Baptist Church of San Gabriel Valley uh, there in outside of Los Angeles. Coach Rocky Sito, Pastor Rocky Sito, thank you for taking the time to be on Candid. I love
0: it, Jonathan. Thank you, brother, for having me. And uh, I kind of don't mind it when people still call me coach. You know, Dr. Lawson, our heralded uh, a teacher and leader of our doctorate of ministry program of preaching He always jokes around as a, hey, coach, you know, so I kind of like that, you know, it kind (laughs) of brings me back to my roots a little bit, you
1: know. Anyone who has played sports, we're naturally drawn to that moniker of coach, right? It's just, it's a natural thing for us, so.
0: Either that, or you don't know their name, so you just say, hey, brother, or hey, coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny enough, we've had Coach Mark Richt on the program, and he talked about how Coach Bobby Bowden, if he didn't know someone's name, he would just call them buddy, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Coach Rick, who of course went on to do great coaching at University of Georgia and then at right. Miami, at his alma mater, when he came to Saving Faith, he went in to go talk to Coach Bowden, and Bowden didn't know his name because he was only a graduate assistant, and he just said, <laughs> "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" <laughs> so, Coach Pastor, I think these I are uh, these are these it. are noble callings that, uh, that the it. Lord's called you into. So, Rocky, I want you to share your story uh, with our audience. Most of us are, you know, we, we do have an international audience. So uh, we've yeah. had enough football players and coaches, I think, on the program for them to be familiar with the sport. Okay. Uh, it's obviously uh, one of America's great pastimes, but it's your story that we're interested in. How did the Lord draw you to himself yeah. and work in your life and in your family's life? And you just want to share the work of christ in your life oh
0: thank you brother I, I love telling what god has done in my life and um you said football is kind of america's pastime i would say baseball is america's pastime but football is america's passion i would say and uh <laughs> good. god good used, distinction. <laughs> god used football to really get a hold of me and let me explain just like you jonathan uh my parents are immigrants and they're immigrants from japan and we were a blue-collar family. And so we grew up in Southern California. My dad's been a gardener. He's retired now for maybe forty-five years, fifty years. He was a gardener. Wow. And so we would work. We would work when we didn't have school and summer vacations wasn't vacation. I'd rather <laughs> be in class, you know, and it's <laughs> hot out here too. Yeah. And my dad and I, it goes back to my relationship with my father. We related to each other when we're working or through sports, and that's kind of where we connected. And And I thought to myself as a boy, since my dad loves sports, and I really wanted to please him and make him proud. And Jonathan, I thought football would be the, the way that – the ultimate way I could make him proud. And so football became my identity as a boy. We didn't right. grow up in a Christian home. so. Our religion was basically make your family proud, you know, don't embarrass us, right? And that's kind yeah, of it's the, the
1: idea. Honor, shame culture, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Just work hard and make our family proud. And I thought to myself, you know, I definitely don't want to be a gardener for and that. I, my dad impressed that upon me. You don't want to do this for a living. And I thought to myself, there's nothing more nobler for me to do than to get into the world of football. And fast forward, I get into high school. My whole goal was to get to the University of Southern California to be a football player there, and
1: that was sort that was, of the mecca of uh,
0: that for me. The football that was, world that was the height of what uh, in my little mind, that I thought if I could get there, that'd be something else. And and looking at me, you've seen me. I mean, I'm a normal guy. There's nothing uh, physically impressive about me, and. That was kind of a pipe dream for many people. People thought, that's crazy. There's no way. And in my mind, I said, you know what? Let me just try. And I just thought to myself, even if it doesn't work out, I just don't have any regrets when we're 40 years old like I am today, you know? <laughs> <Right, laughs> right. Six yeah. now. And,
1: and you had work ethic in your in your bloodline too.
0: Yeah, I would say my dad is the hardest working person I ever met. My mom is the mentally toughest person I've ever met. And so I had that going for me. I had that role model in my face day to day. And uh, so I went to high school, Arcadia high school here in the shadows of the Rose bowl in the San Gabriel Valley. And it wasn't good enough academically or athletically. Wasn't a Christian at the time. I'll keep adding that. Then I went to junior college, Mount San Antonio junior college. And the reason why I chose that junior college because coach Bill Fisk, was an All-American at USC. I thought to myself, maybe if I do good enough, he might put a good word in for me. Right. I spent three years there and eventually transferred to USC. But there was a problem. They accepted me academically, Jonathan, but I didn't get any confirmation that I was on the team. Right? So I'm like, I don't want to go there and not be on the team. This would be like torture to be there and just go to school there. right? I mean, So I got in my Nissan pickup truck, 19... 19- 92 pickup blue pickup truck headed east about 40 minutes east to usc parked on the street walked onto the campus and i was in heritage hall that's the version of whatever you call that at georgia we have all the heismans and the national championships and rose bowls and i remember being being in awe looking at these things and there's only four heismans at the time and i was thinking to myself by chance maybe i'll get to see someone that will help me to get on the team And Jonathan had nothing scheduled. I mean, absolutely nothing as I got in my truck. But Providence would have it. Now that I'm a Christian, I would understand this. Providence would have it. I looked up. I saw Coach John Robinson in the second story, and I'm like, wow, this is my opportunity. So I hid behind the corridor, waited for him to come back, and I accidentally bumped into him as if it was an accidental (laughs) thing. And I said, Coach, My name is Rocky Seto. You don't know me from anybody, but I got accepted into the school. Can I talk to you, please? And that's the moment of truth. What is he going to say? Coach John Robinson, the legendary coach, says, okay, come into my office. I'm like, okay. (laughs) We sat in his office, and we talked about 10, 15 minutes. He goes, what can I do for you? Just like the Rudy movie. uh, I was going to say, this is like uh, uh,
1: the script, right? Yeah. Just
0: like that. It's just like that. But even better, and he he just said, I just said to him, Coach, I got into school. I'll do whatever it takes to help us win. I need to be on the team. And he throws a legal pad, paper down, and basically says, give me your information. And I wrote down my parents' address. A couple weeks later, August 6th is the reporting date, meet at Floor Tower, this is the reporting day for training camp. And I'm like, what in the wow. world just happened? Wow. And can I take a fast forward 20 something years later? This I ran into time. Coach Robinson at the Rose Bowl. My friend Ed Ogeron was coaching it at the LSU Tigers, and they're playing uh, the UCLA Bruins. So, Coach Ed Ogeron. Invited me to come to their walkthrough and look at, look at this picture here. I know our fans won't be able to understand that, but I ran into coach Robinson
1: on the field
0: at the practice. And I said, coach, I got to ask you one question I've been thinking about for a couple decades. Back then in 1997, why in the world did you let me on the team? Yeah. I never asked him that, you know, and as an adult, I've been pondering that. And he said this, Rocky, I remember the day you came up. I mean, his mind is sharp. Wow. I remember how you asked me to come into the office. I remember sitting down in my office, Rocky, you basically had the right look in your eye. And, and, and I said, what do you mean? And then he said, basically, it takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage to come to the head football coach and ask him something <laughs> like that. And <laughs> yeah. I knew you had to be on the team. And that was that. I said, okay, that's good enough for me. And yeah, wow, but, Going back into 1997, Jonathan, I was running on to the field. Bobby Bowden's story, he was there at the Coliseum, 1997, opening kickoff game. National televised game as a nighttime game. The Coliseum was rocking. And I remember running onto the field as a walk-on linebacker. And I was like, this is great. It's happened. It's happened. And I thought to myself, as I'm running across the 50-yard line, there's got to be more to it than this because in mm. two years I'm going to graduate. What am I? What am I going to be about? Right. Right. And sure enough, during that time, I had a teammate named Rocky Brown, another walk-on, another mm. guy named Rocky, and he was preaching the gospel to me, and all of a sudden it made sense. And I think in the locker room, if I were to give an exact time, I'm not quite sure, but somewhere around 1998, I remember surrendering my life to Christ, believing in the work of Christ and the cross. I I definitely already knew I was a sinner. And I knew that I believed that Christ paid the price on the cross for my sins. And like Mm -hmm. his righteousness was imputed to me. And I surrendered to give my life to him and live for him. And I would say I still struggle with sin, pride, lust, anger as a young man. But the one distinguishing thing that came upon me was I couldn't stop reading the book of John. I mean, uh, the gospel of John, you know I mean? I knew how to study for things, but I didn't necessarily like to read things. Right. You know, but now other than read things about like famous sports people and famous coaches, but now I'm right, reading right. the book of John cause I want to learn more about Jesus Christ. And yeah. I'd say that was a distinguishing mark that was different in my life immediately. And interesting enough, you and I are, studiers of the word and preachers of the word and proclaimers of Christ. And it's interesting how the Lord would give us a preview of uh, what would happen years later. You know, So that's basically my testimony. God used football and he graciously allowed me to achieve my idol and at the same time he shattered it very gently. I don't have that story where I was strung out on drugs and hanging out in the gutter. But God broke me graciously, gently and showed me that I need more, and, and everything is found in Christ, you know. And, and he had his soldiers on the team talking to me about Jesus Christ. Even going back to junior college, people were talking to me about Jesus Christ. Keith Leisure wow. and others guys like that. And my coach was a Christian in junior college, Bill Fisk. And but it wasn't that moment that that the Lord opened my eyes, and I believe He gave me rebirth uh, at that time.
1: What did sort of the Christian walk look like after that? What's sort of the changes and the transitions that are taking place in your life?
0: Well, no longer was football my validation in life because it was, man. It, that's how yeah. I felt special. I mean, as sure. an immigrant kid, I mean, blue-collar family. I mean, and
1: trying to earn your dad's sort of love and respect. Yeah, trying, trying to right. earn
0: my dad's love and respect. And it was all tied into my performance and the ability to – to tough it out. I knew I wasn't as talented as these guys physically, but in my mind, I thought to myself, I'm tougher than anyone on this team. And that was kind of my identity, you know, and I think God redeemed that to use football, to train me as a Christian and to steward football as an opportunity to worship. And we used to talk about it on the team, Jonathan, let's get our worship on with other Christians, you know, like Mm. meaning let's offer a fragrant aroma by how hard we try Uh, How encouraging we are to our teammates, how accountable we are to our coaches and and everybody, and so you could redeem all that stuff for God's glory by God's grace, you know. And so I would say that's a very tangible thing that starts shifting in my mind and my heart of how do you steward what we've been given, no longer using football for our identity, but football Mm. now is a means of worshiping God, you know, and out of our identity in Christ, you know, and if that makes sense. And that was a very tangible thing that happened.
1: You know, Rocky, in a lot of the football stories I've heard from others in the past, it's usually that football was taken from them. There's either an injury or Something and then their love for it grows dim and then it becomes something of the past and they've put it yeah. behind them. But it's funny that yours is, is quite different than that. It's almost like God had you in that avenue for that purpose to reach out, uh, seek and save the lost, and then equipping other believers for ministry, for opportunities to show the light of Christ even right. in their work ethic and the way that they love other people. Right. That's quite a, a different uh, perspective than typically what I've heard. So how did you kind of bridge that gap now from starting to grow into your faith? And then I'm, I'm guessing opportunities for coaching came quickly.
0: So just tracing the providential dots, you know, we'll just connect the dots a little bit. I mean, my whole goal academically was to get into the doctorate program of program of physical therapy, and so I actually got in, <laughs> believe it or not. Wow. So after I got done playing, I put in my hundred thirty-six dollar deposit and got into the USC doctorate program in physical therapy. I didn't want to do that. I mean, physical therapy is a phenomenal and noble profession, but that wasn't in my heart. I wanted to do that for all the materialistic reasons of getting a doctorate degree, right. making my mom and dad happy, you know. And I went to the coach, Coach Paul Hackett at the time, who I love and grateful because he gave me a scholarship the next year you know as a, as a senior but I said coach I think I wanted to go into coaching is there anything I could do on the team I and he goes what do you have else and well I have a doctorate program of physical therapy he goes we do that he goes coaching is a crazy business <laughs> and coach Hackett, god bless him he was giving me his best fatherly advice to me and he goes listen do that but I think he saw that I was determined and goes, all right. And he let me volunteer onto the staff. And I was a volunteer assistant, just getting lunch, helping clean up the office. I mean, doing whatever it takes. And, and then God opened up an opportunity to do that. And um, the, it's, it's interesting how God just kept opening up opportunities at USC as a volunteer, then the administrative assistant, then Coach Carroll comes in and Coach Carroll hires me now as a graduate assistant, just like Coach Richt, right. uh, as you described earlier. Then I become the safeties coach and then become the linebackers coach and then become the defensive back coach and finish off in 2009 as a defensive coordinator at USC. And God just kept opening up door after door after door. And it was just God's kindness that all these things were happening. But to answer your question, I saw a ministry there to in the marketplace teaching people – and they were teaching me as well, other Christians, how to compete for God's glory, how to thrive in the world of football as an avenue to, to evangelize people, to glorify God, to use the platform to talk to more people about Jesus Christ. You know, And people have said, man, isn't it amazing? I mean, you and I could relate to each other because we, we're both preachers, and people have said, isn't this the... the the most holiest calling that you've been called into. And I I understand what they're saying. However, if God called me to stay in coaching, that would have been the most holiest calling. I
1: mean, so that would have been the call that he had for you. Right.
0: And so as the listeners are listening, whatever God has, you're doing, that is the most important thing you could do for the Lord at this moment. Right. And, but I do believe that preaching the word was the greatest thing that, that you and I could do, but it's a unique calling. Not that's not for everybody. It doesn't mean it's, we're special in that regard necessarily, but whatever you're doing is the act of worship, you know. And so I think that was kind of the big idea there. And, and whatever you're doing, whether it's playing, coaching, being a team trainer, the equipment guy, whatever it is on the team, if you're a Christian, that is the greatest thing you could be doing. And so do it to God's glory and look to evangelize, look to disciple, edify other christians that's been brought in front of you and that's kind of the idea and i'm hoping to teach that to people of evergreen baptist church here and whatever you're doing you're a missionary you're an evangelist as matthew 28 says the lord says go in in, in other words as you're going through life make disciples i mean that's kind of where we were at we're called to do that and so
1: Mm. let's talk about this so you know, it sounds like you've had a lot of open doors to you and, and you've got kind of a who's who of the coaching world uh, Rolodex, uh, I know, uh, of people that you've worked with and, and gone on to greater things. Let's talk a little bit about that work of sharing of the gospel and, and and helping believers. What sort of opposition did you face, whether it was when you were at USC or even in the, in the NFL with the Seahawks organization, where there's sort of... Any barriers that you picked up on and then how did you navigate those?
0: Well, it's interesting that you asked that. Um, you know, football, I would say, is culturally in America, the United States of America, probably the culturally the most Christian sport. Right. Is it Christian? No, but it's culturally. Notice I said culturally, right. meaning a lot of players, coaches come from somewhat of a Christian background. And what I mean by that a lot of maybe people come from the south. Maybe people come from the Midwest. Maybe people come from a Catholic type of background, or even Mormonism, things like that. Where, where it's not foreign to pray, it's not foreign to say God or Jesus, you know. And so, the football teams generally have a chaplain and do right. a formal chapel service. The coach, whether he is a Christian or not, may even pray before the game or after the game. The Lord's Prayer, or he may ask one of the Christian players or coaches or chaplain to pray. I mean, it just culturally, that's what you do. And so I thought that, in addition to it's a violent game, I think people are open for prayer. I think people are open to show up at the chapel perhaps that'll help people make more tackles or stay healthy, right? And
1: It's like a genie's lamp or something.
0: Kind of like that. And, and so I think as a Christian, you're able to navigate and store that well you know, and easily. And compared to – I've talked to other people where they may be in industries such as Microsoft and the tech world or different type of industries where it's that may less. be a foreign thing. Yeah, it just may not be as a known thing. So in, in football, I think that was a helpful thing to – navigate through these things and so some challenges are basically you know the national football league major college football it is a business you know and particularly at the university system it's it's a secular environment it's uh there's different ideas around so to be able to speak to people in a way that they could understand the gospel in the way that is loving However, never compromising the message of the gospel. But I'll just say this much. Some of the things I've learned, football people have football needs. So if you're a player for me, Jonathan, my job, what I'm paid to do is to help you be as good as a player as, as I possibly can help you become as a coach, right? And, and if I do that, I, it helps to build a relationship over time. Right. And through that, things just happen. Conversations happen. My My grandmother's sick. This is what's yeah. going on. I have an injury. Okay. Yeah. It's life. It's life. And so can I pray for you? Hey, this is what I learned reading the Bible today. It just becomes a natural thing. And the thing about it is that, I mean, you know what I look like. I mean, I'm, I'm Japanese-American. There are not many Japanese football coaches at Division One or in the NFL. Right. And so what was interesting, Jonathan, is that whether I was at USC or at the Seattle Seahawks, I think people, the coaches, the, the players began to know me as the, the Christian guy other than the Japanese guy. And so, in some ways, if they're coming to me with an issue, <laughs> yeah. I think they would have been disappointed if I gave them some kind of different answer other than right, the, right. something from the scriptures, something about Jesus Christ, even praying for them. I think they'd be almost disappointed, like shocked, like, why is that what you're going to tell me? Right. And so, yeah. You were didn't a known want to commodity
1: like at that point, right? They knew and, in, in some sense, expected a particular answer. Though I'm sure you gave answers that perhaps surprised them because of maybe a
0: lack of understanding of, of the faith. Yeah, I mean, it just you know, as Paul tells Timothy, you watch your life and your doctrine, right? I mean, the more you're just living. For Christ, people could see that. That's what I saw in Rocky Brown. I saw a joyful man, a guy who was fired up about Christ, a guy who was holding his Bible constantly. I mean, just what else do I expect from him, right? And so in some ways, I would say for Christians out there working in the marketplace, just be the greatest worker, the most loyal, the most trustworthy, most joyful, live it out. And then just speak about Christ matter of factly. Like, this is what I did this week, and I went to church. This is what my wife and I are praying for, our, that our children love Christ. Um, this is what happened the other day, and we started praying. I mean, just natural things that it doesn't have to be scripted. Just be unashamedly who you are. And I think that communicates a lot of things. And then when God opens up an opportunity to, to share the gospel, do it clearly, lovingly, and, and see what the Lord does with that.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the transition from college to the pro level um, spiritually. I know your wife, I think, is from Seattle originally. So was right. that sort of a, like a nice homegoing thing? And kind of walk us through that transition. I mean, the, the, just the I'm sure there's a huge gap between college and, and pro level football.
0: Yeah, there is. And um, on a personal level, it was a difficult transition for me. I was at USC for 13 years. I grew up in the shadows of the Rose Bowl. I grew up 30 minutes away from campus. My whole mind as a boy was get to USC. And although Christ, I believe Christ got a hold of me somewhere around 1998, and my identity in Christ was growing, there was a tension within me, there was sin within me, uh, Jonathan, where in my heart and mind, I knew I was in Christ, but there was a tension because part of my identity and the guy that walked on the SG and started climbing up the ranks. And that's where all the people knew me. That's how most of the people patted me on the back.
1: You were a big fish in that
0: pond. Well, kind of in that regard, <laughs> but maybe in my own mind, you know. <laughs> but the word was showing me that there was a tension there, there was a rival in my mind and my heart, you know, am I about Christ or am I about Mm. USC football? And and I was with, I was there for 13 years and nine of it with coach Carroll. And we had a, the most ridiculous time. We won like crazy. It was crazy. You know, we're like the Alabama of, Yeah,
1: I know I lived through it (laughs) as a a student at Auburn when you guys were uh, waxing us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you that War Eagle, I mean, it was an amazing time, amazing opportunity to play over there, and you guys had great players at the time. But every year with Coach Carroll, there's rumors that he was going to go to the NFL. Right. And it was like, nah. But all of a sudden in 2010, at the top of 2010, the rumors seemed to seem more real, right? Yeah, yeah it
1: was All dangerous. of
0: a sudden, he decided to leave for the Seahawks, and – he calls me into his office, and during those nine years that I was with him, I must have turned down close to 10 opportunities to leave and a couple NFL opportunities, and I never wow. want to go anywhere else but stay wow. at USC. Wow. And he talks to me because, hey, I'm taking the Seahawks Seattle job. I said, oh, that's great. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, when are we going? And he tells me, well, you're not coming with me. I'm like, What? <laughs> And the Lord broke me in that moment, and I was mad. Wow, wow. And then so he goes with a bunch of guys that he took with him, and and I've talked to Coach Carroll. I love him, and, and we're dear friends. And I repented to the Lord and, and apologized to Coach. I said, I was really mad at you, and, and but it was really God was showing me how prideful I am and how self-centered I was. And, and so he and I talked about that, but basically – couple months later, he, he calls me up and says, hey, Rock. I said, yeah, coach, and I got a job for you. And keep in mind now, Jonathan, I was a defense coordinator at USC. Yeah, I, high bar. And he goes, I'd like you to be the quality control coach here at, at the Seahawks. That's wow. the entry-level coaching position. I'm like right. man, I'm like, I was, you're insulting me. I'm thinking, you know, like, I, I can't believe you're even calling me. And But, you know what, praying about it. My wife's from up there, providentially, like more providence. I mean, of all the places, we end up in Seattle. My wife and I met at USC. She was a soccer player. I was a football player. And sure enough, God brings us up there. And it was tough for a year and a half, two years. I was mad. You know, I was just kind of – but that's kind of where the Lord started yeah. planting a seed for ministry. And that sounds crazy. Mm. I started going into the office – Four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, just reading the scriptures. And the Lord was convicting me of something. And hmm. this is what it was. I used to look at the scriptures kind of almost in a, I don't know, pragmatic way. What I mean by that is I almost saw the Bible as God's divine self-help book. If you in the Bible... I could learn how to be a better leader, be a better husband, be a better coach, be a better father. And as long as I know the teachings of the Bible, I'll be a good and effective person. And I think I genuinely believe the gospel, though, Jonathan. But when I got there to Seattle, I was broken. I was mad. I I was away from my neighborhood. I was away from the university. I was away from people that I knew. I'm up in Seattle, a foreign place to me at the time. And and then all of a sudden I'm reading the scriptures and getting – Jesus, I need to know you better. I need to know that I'm more about you. And so the Bible is about God. The best way to know God is to know more about Christ. So I started looking at the Bible as more like, how can I learn more about Jesus Christ? And that drove me into a deeper relationship with Christ as I was engaging with the Bible in a whole different way, not for practical reasons not for pragmatic reasons but i need to know christ more i need to know the god that i say that i believe in and love you know and and from that moment on i started listening to sermons online guys like i don't know like john MacArthur, john piper i don't know alistair beg vody bacham i mean just guys like that and yeah. got into reformed teachings and god was giving me a seminary as he was doing heart surgery in me at the same time and I start having a deeper love for the word, and I was up in the office at four or five and thinking, "Man, I, I got into scriptures for about an hour. Man, I got to start work now." I'm like, I wanted to keep studying it, and yeah, yeah. So that kind of that seed was planted within me, like, "Man, I want to study the scriptures full time." and And also as a coach at, in Seattle, you can go anywhere and 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 be asked to speak. You go to schools and churches and fake churches and. When I say that, I mean false churches. <laughs> I could go into prisons right. and juvenile hall. I mean, you tell them a little bit of a Seahawk story, and all of a sudden you go right into the gospel. You know, and I was doing that. God was yeah. opening up opportunities. I mean, man, this is an amazing thing. I get to talk to people about Christ. I love it, and things are starting to percolate in my mind and my heart. You know, and so ministry was kind of brewing at that point. You know,
1: but your role changed. You moved from uh, quality control and up, up, and up, just like at USC. That's
0: that's right. And so as a quality control coach, I became a defensive assistant. Then I became the defensive pass game coordinator. Then I finished off as the assistant head coach overseeing the defense. And coach just kept trusting me for these things. And uh, it was kind of a similar route, like you said, from USC to the Seattle Seahawks. And and during that time, as I love Seattle, I grew to love the people of Seattle. I love the Northwest. I grew a deeper relationship with Coach Carroll. I love coaching pro football, and we won like crazy. All, all of a sudden, again by God's grace, we, we we win a Super Bowl. We go to another Super Bowl. <laughs> we lost that on the one yard line, and and we had yeah. remember the coach probably one of the greatest defenses in the history of the game. The Legion of Boom and all that stuff was happening, and and it was an A. It wasn't perfect, but it was an A. I mean, I can't think of a better thing to do than coach football for Coach Carroll at the Seattle Seahawks. But something inside of me was thinking, man, there's an A plus out there, you know. And Mm. I think the Lord, in His kindness, I mean, He's been just super gracious, you know, super gentle with me, and He was kind of shaping me to uh, for something else. And um, but anyhow, you're right. I, I mean time at the Seahawks was very similar to at the time at the USC. And uh, I love it. I just count that as God's kindness to all of us.
1: Okay. So there's now a big transition in your life coming and you're about to walk away from uh, the coaching ranks, which you've done for how many years now at this point? 18 years. 18 years. Walk us through that. So the seed's been planted, you know, again, it, it seems to go against all You know, what we would call reason, right? Reason would say you've worked your way up in the ranks and now kind of take advantage of that, enjoy the fruits of your labor, so to speak, but you've got a different seed that's germinating within you. What does that call look like?
0: Well, like I said, like in 2010, I started going deeper into the word. I was asked to do things to preach and teach, and I thought, huh maybe I got a future in this, you know, maybe God's gifted me in this in some ways. And people just on their own were coming to my wife and to myself. I know what you're going to do when you retire. When are you going to become a full-time preacher? I mean, they're saying stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay. It was kind of agreeable with my heart. I was like, oh, praise God. Sure. But my wife, no. Not so much. What are you talking about? (laughs) Hasn't this coaching thing been good? And and my wife, she's one of my heroes and and she was right. It's been the the most amazing journey of a lifetime. It was like this is beyond my expectations. Walking on from Mount Sac, however many years ago, right, since in nineteen ninety seven, and this is way beyond all that. Yeah. And we were thinking about this. I, I was I was thinking about it since two thousand ten, and here comes two thousand sixteen, August. The church that we were part of in Southern California, the pastor calls me and is I'm going to retire. I think you're going to be my um, replacement. And actually, he was stronger words than that. But uh, how I took it as a, you know, as an opportunity to pastor at Evergreen Baptist Church in San Gabriel Valley, and and so that whole season, 2016 season, from training camp through the regular season to the playoffs, we're thinking and praying through this, and my wife. God bless her, she was she wasn't ready for it. And and I said, All right, Lord, um I think you're calling me to become a preacher, but maybe not now. But all of a sudden, we're playing the San Francisco 49ers. It was New Year's Eve. I was in, we're in San Jose. And she calls me and goes, I think we're supposed to do this. Wow. This is the last regular season game. And I'm like, Are you sure? I just we just hung up and we played the game I got, and then we won that game we, we were in the playoffs I waited for another week or so or, and we're playing the Detroit Lions in our first round of the playoffs and I tell coach I talked to Sharla again my wife and are you sure? She goes yeah and then I told coach I'm going to go into the ministry as a preacher after this season and we gave hugs and that was that and in the next round, we we won that game. We go to Atlanta. We lost to the Falcons, our good friend Dan Quinn's team, and and so yeah, that was my last game coaching, and it was an amazing time, and, and it was a lot of tears, but at the same time, we're excited, and basically, biblical convictions kind of held me at bay. I mean, you know what the scriptures say: two becomes one flesh. You know, and our first ministries yeah. are to our family. So if I would have just gone ahead and, and done it without her, her be on board, Yeah, I just pray, Lord, if this is what you have, please bring her along. Because the more I try to explain to her, the more frustrated she got. Sure. The more I try to convince her, the more fighting we did. So I just said, all right, Lord, I just start praying. Change her heart. Yeah. And sure enough, she's the greatest Coach's wife. She's the greatest pastor's wife and and she's been nothing but amazing. And so she really was the big final period on the calling. I mean, I looked to the scriptures. I had this internal desires. I looked through scriptures. I the qualifications in Timothy and Titus, not perfectly, but genuinely by God's grace. I I thought these things fit. The gift of preaching and teaching obviously raw <laughs> it's raw form but i thought it was square. you got to start somewhere you got to start somewhere that's why right. we're the demon you know <laughs> program and yeah, that's we, right. want we want You're to get coached help. up and so but the the, the thing goes if i was a single man i probably would have pulled the trigger earlier but i wasn't by god's providence and and um that's mm-hmm. what happened let's talk
1: about the response so you've been in coaching for 18 years you're known and loved in the community. And all of a sudden you're walking away from high profile positions, money, all of those things to go and, and, and take over a church. How? how I mean, obviously some guys would have understood. Other guys probably were curious what that was all about. What did that kind of look like uh, as you broke the news?
0: You know, it's interesting uh, before making that final announcement, I asked my dad, we're in LA playing the Rams, and we were at, went out to eat dinner. And I said, "Papa," that's what I called him. I, 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 you know, I'm thinking about becoming a pastor. What do you think? And keep in mind, on the face of the planet, no mm-hmm. one loves the fact that I'm coaching professional football than him. He loves it. I mean, that, right. I talked to you about how he was my motivation early on about getting on to USC, and he he said, "You know what? You got to do what makes you happy." And at the time, I'm thinking, "Are you kidding me?"
1: Yeah.
0: And so, that's kind of a re- reflection of how people took it. Um, Coach Carroll and I have been talking about it for maybe two, three years at that point. So he wasn't shocked. He might have been surprised I right. actually did it, but not shocked. Some people on my team and players saying, "You're already pastoring us anyway." I mean, so they kind of, the people that knew me, they weren't yeah. necessarily shocked. I would say the surprise came more from just kind of the general public, you know, newspaper, um, just people that didn't know me on a personal level, you know? And so that's kind of how it was. I When I talked to the team, coach gave me an opportunity to address the team. That was an amazing opportunity. I was staring at a bunch of men that I admired, a bunch of men that are that are just amazing. And I started breaking down when I talked about leaving coach. Mm. And, but at the same time, I preached the gospel to them. I thought, I said, this is the greatest thing I ever shared with you. Hmm. And at the end, football and all this stuff's not going to matter. You need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to surrender your life to Christ. Trust him for what he's done on the cross. Trust him for who he is. Trust him that he's coming back to settle all accounts, you know, and you need to know him. And so I was able to share the gospel and I don't think it's surprising. You know, it's not like, what is this coming from? So I was grateful for that opportunity and um, right. yeah it, it's been a kind of opportunity to tell people that Jesus is better than anything else you know not that you have to be a preacher to just know that but Yeah this is perhaps emblematic cuz Sure in, in the world's eyes in some ways I would say it's crazy you know and but you and I know Right would rather do than preaching the word you know
1: Right and to receive that calling to say no would have been the the greater, you know. Uh,
0: Disappointment, regret.
1: Right. Within yeah. your own soul, right? Because you, at that point, you feel like you'd be letting down your master. Right. Versus yeah. the, the outside world who says football is to be prized or these positions of notoriety and fame, et cetera, et cetera. There's more glory in that. You want to say, you know what? It's not about
0: right. me. I think you and I would know. I mean, if you're doing something else, Jonathan, there will be a kind of a – discontent or kind of a dissatisfaction. I mean, you could be winning in your industry, but there's something just, I like this. It's an A, but there's an A plus out there. That's kind of the best way to describe it. Cause yeah, I was, it wasn't one of these deals where football was horrible. My boss was horrible. I mean, right. it's an A. I told Coach the other day when I went up to Seattle, this is an A. I'm grateful. Thank you. I mean, he's still a dear, dear friend. I am. What I miss the most about coaching is probably his, relationships with him and others I get to see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But this is an A plus, you know, a, a, as a preacher, to be able to study the Word all week long and to preach it. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do.
1: Well, let's talk about ministry then. Yeah. Uh, how was that transition? Wow. <laughs> I mean, you were sort of probably twenty four seven football, and now it's well, that's not true because you were doing ministry with the players and the coaches, et cetera. So it, but there, there there's definitely a a shift there.
0: Yeah, Jonathan, you could relate to me. I would say this just for our listeners to kind of understand. It's harder than I thought it would be. Three of my years as a senior pastor two of them were with coronavirus right and and our pastor was here for 42 years before me so there's various challenges there in football you're able to hire and fire your staff at will you can cut players in the professional ranks at will in the church, you're not necessarily firing <laughs> congregants. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And you, you don't want to do that actually. Right. And so.
1: Even if the desire <laughs> may be uh, there.
0: Our people have been super gracious. I love just them. Just and uh, the people have been super kind to me. And uh, it's hard than I thought because I have less controls. In coaching, I have little control, but I had more control. In yeah. pastoring, I have less control. Yeah. And. There's a metric of success in football by winning and losing, ranking your defenses, how many Pro Bowlers are you to produce, so forth and so on. In ministry, numbers of people isn't necessarily a metric of success. Right. Balancing the budget isn't necessarily a metric of success, or running a certain amount of programs isn't necessarily a success. Because, as we all know, you could collect a room full of non believers. You could do programs and, as John Wooden said, don't mistake activity for achievement. You know, you could be doing a lot of stuff but not actually achieving discipleship. Right. And so I need, and the Lord is teaching me to be content in simply being faithful. Mm-hmm. Am I content in simply doing what God has told me to do in the scriptures, right? And preaching the word, discipling people. And am I content with that? without even understanding what's actually happening with even having even less people show up at our gatherings, Uh, with having issues with things and where other people would say what's going on. And I can't point to the Rose Bowl or the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl as a a validation of what we're doing. I, I said, well, the Bible says to do this and we're doing it and hopefully lovingly and as well as possible. And, That is a humbling thing, Jonathan. And that is, Mm. my whole life has been public, but I could point to very public achievements. Here, my life is still public in the life of the church, but the achievements aren't necessarily visible. You know, it's kind of like, all right, this is what the Bible says, and the master knows if you're being faithful or not. I mean, that's someday we'll find out, right? And so
1: that's
0: that's kind of in a nutshell. It's harder, I thought but I love it more than I thought and faithfulness is the metric of success.
1: Those are encouraging words for uh, anyone out there. I think Uh, no matter their vocation, whether in ministry or whatever it is, this is the life we've been called to coach. Is there anything else you feel like you would want to say to a listener out there? Any kind of message you would have or something you feel like we maybe skipped over and you want to talk about or
0: just in general? I mean, as you said, this, Podcasts could go nationally, but all it's all internationally. And I'm super grateful for you, Jonathan, to have me on. I, I consider you as a friend, as a faithful co-laborer, like-minded brother. You know, I love you and I'm, I admire you. I'll say this to your listeners here. Um, whatever is important to you, nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hmm. In my old world of American football, the Super Bowl was the pinnacle of success. And I'd like to say this, whatever your Super Bowl is, Jesus is better than that. And mm. you need to know him if you, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. But if you do know him, I would encourage you, drive deeper into knowing him through the word, through fellowship with other brothers and sisters who are like-minded. Dig deeper into the local church. I, I pray that you are part of a gospel preaching church that preaches the Bible that takes discipleship seriously and dig deeper into build and invest into kingdom economy, things that are going to last forever in heaven and um, make your life count in that way. And we don't know how many years that we have to live, but make sure you have the sense of urgency to live for Jesus Christ. That's what I admire about football, people. There's a sense of urgency because there's a limited time to play because you you can't play football forever. It's a young man's game. And I think that that is something to be learned for Christians around the world. We live with a sense of urgency. This life is just a vapor, as the Bible says, and make it count for God's glory and know that someday, It may not pay off right now, but someday in eternity, our God will reward you and me. Not for our salvation, because he did it all, but in terms of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and that's what we want to hear at the end of the day and by God's grace. So anyway, that's just my encouragement to the listeners. Jesus is better than anything else. You could trust that as, as, as. Jesus says he is the treasure found in the field, you know. And so I appreciate this, Jonathan. I mean, I'm wow. grateful for you you trusting me to be part of this program and uh, this podcast. So thank you so much.
1: Well, Rocky, we're so grateful. This was uh, such a helpful word. And uh, I pray it serves as uh, an encouragement to some and uh, perhaps a, a bit of a prod to others, uh, those that are considering this great terminology what is your super bowl and uh, understanding that christ is greater than whatever that thing is and uh, so rocky seto thank you brother i'm encouraged by you and uh, we're praying for you in your ministry and uh, grateful for your time
0: well thank you jonathan and uh i um, admire you and i'm grateful for your uh faithfulness to the gospel brother and uh It's nice to know that on the other coast or other side of the country, there are men like you who are faithfully preaching the word. And uh, I'm going to try to do my best from Southern California, you in the South, you you keep doing that. And I look forward to seeing you at our next module, okay? (laughs)
1: Absolutely. God bless, brother. Candid is a podcast from Leaning the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.